You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. If you, if you have your Bibles with you or your app on your phone, whichever you normally use, we are continuing our series on the Beatitudes. And this morning we've come to the third Beatitude. So I'll just have a quick recap of where we've got to so far. Um, it's interesting, the way uh, this, this particular Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, is placed in Matthew's Gospel right near the beginning, at the start of Jesus' ministry. It's almost like somebody's described it as his manifesto, as it were. Only, as we've already discovered, there are some surprises and some things you wouldn't perhaps expect. So we've talked about what it means to be blessed and also who is blessed. And so far we've had those who are poor in spirit, the ones who really know their need of God, who know that actually in themselves there's no hope. We're totally dependent on him. And then last week we had, um, it was supposed to be Matt and Laura, but it ended up being Clive and Laura because Matt was ill, talking about blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So we've started by looking at how the people who are poor in spirit, the ones who, who know their own unworthiness and who have to come on the basis of mercy to a God who provides everything for us, and the ones who mourn over that, their sinfulness and the state of the world and the longing for the, for the coming of the kingdom of God, who are going to be comforted. Now today, we hear, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now that's an interesting one. And we've already explained, you know, that that word blessed, the Greek word that it translates, there isn't an English equivalent word that means exactly everything that that particular word means. But it has within it the sense of yeah, of, of happiness, um, but it's not just sort of superficial happiness. It's the idea, it's a state to be desired, a state to be envied. This is to be in a good place when you say that somebody is blessed. Something you'd say congratulations on, you know, if, if you see somebody in this state. It's like the secret to the good life, as it were. And today we're told that actually among the blessed, there's the meek. Now, that's another one where there isn't just one word in English that says what meek means. I'm going to read a, um, from the psalm that Jesus may actually have been quoting at this point. Back in Psalm 37 and uh, in verses... Well, a little clip from it, verses 8 to 11. It says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. 
So the idea of um, it, the meek inheriting the land, that's, that's a quote Jesus is giving from the Psalms. And of course, the people to whom he's talking, the people who are eager to see, is this the Messiah? There's been John the Baptist preparing the way, and people are eager to know because they are waiting for the kingdom of God. They're living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. They're longing for the day when the promise that God would free his people, that once again they would be sovereign in their own land, that once again they would be the top dogs, not the underdogs. They've been waiting for that day. And here is Jesus coming. Is this the Messiah? And he's saying, yeah, the kingdom of God is near. It's coming. So they're interested, and they say, oh, the meek will inherit the land. Now, they're talking about the land, they're, in their thinking, would just be the land of Israel. But in fact, we already begin to get the picture here from Jesus that he's got a broader agenda than just that. That actually this plan of salvation, this sorting it all out, is going to affect the whole earth. And so it's not just the land the meek are going to inherit, but the earth. So, what does meek mean? Matt's already given us a little hint of that earlier on when we were playing with those cotton reels. What it does not mean is weak. A lot of people have that idea, you know, oh, well, meek, yeah, they get, they get downtrodden. They're the people who get pushed aside, shoved to the back of the queue. They're the ones that are always getting the rough end of the stick, as it were. And it's the powerful, the aggressive, the, the ones who are clever and manipulative. They're the ones that kind of call all the shots. And here's Jesus saying, in the kingdom of God, it is not like that. Blessed are the meek, he says. And in fact, he describes himself in those terms. At the end of Matthew, oh, well, further on in Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter 11 and verse 29, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says to people, you know, those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. He describes himself that way. And Jesus is not weak. That, phrase, that song we used to sing in Sunday school, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. A lot of people have this notion that he's, you know, a, a kind of rather fey character wandering about, being gentle, you know, not very, not very pushy. If you actually read the Gospels, you will find Jesus is not weak. Jesus can tell the seas to be still. Jesus can drive out demons. Jesus can heal the sick. Jesus can take on the people who thought that they knew it all. Jesus can bring wisdom to those who need it. Jesus is not a weak character. And yet, among ancient Greek philosophers like Aristotle and the like, their word, which is here translated weak, was one that actually wasn't considered to be a great compliment because it did kind of imply that, oh, you're a bit weak. You're somebody who can take an insult uh, without retaliating. Well, that's rather weak, isn't it? And they didn't really think that was great. But what it actually means, this word, is it's like the balance between 
self-control and anger. There is a definite sense of anger in this, in this word, but it's how you're dealing with it. So it's like, as Matt told us earlier, it's like it's strength actually, but it's strength under control. So let's have a little look at what Jesus was like, and then we'll begin to see what he means about the meek. And these are people who are blessed. I'll mention it again later at the end. It's not try hard to be meek so that you can inherit the earth and you'll earn your way into it. No, he's actually describing the character of the sort of people who will one day inherit the earth. And that character is his character. There's a couple of places in the Gospels where I see Jesus demonstrating meekness. In John 13, for example, we see this. Let me. Just before the Passover festival, at the, at the Last Supper, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew who he was, and he knew who was in charge. So he got up from the meal, took, his out, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel round his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet. That's meekness. He knows who he is. He doesn't have to prove it to anybody. Doesn't matter whether people recognize that or not. That doesn't impact who he actually is. That song we've just been singing, I am who you say I am. That's where our security comes from. That's where our confidence comes from. Not in you know, having convinced people that I'm just the best thing since sliced bread, as long as they don't look too close because then they might notice that perhaps I'm not. No. He knew who he was, he'd got nothing to prove. So he could take the lowly place and serve. We see it again a bit later on when he's standing before Pilate in the judgment hall. And these accusations are being brought and Pilate says to him, you know, aren't, aren't you going to answer? And he's not even bothering to defend himself because obviously he knows the outcome, he knows they're not listening. But then Pilate says to him, come on, he says, don't you realize you need to answer me because I've got the power to crucify you or set you free. And Jesus answers him, says, you would have no authority or power over me if it were not given you from above. In other words, Jesus is not afraid of Pilate. It's not fear and cowardice that's keeping him quiet. It's the confidence of knowing who's in charge and knowing whose agenda he's on. He'd already told them back when he was talking in John chapter 10 about being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he says, I, I have come to lay my life down. He says, nobody takes it from me. I lay it down. I've got this charge from my father. I have the power to lay it down and to take it up again in due course. 
The meek man, you see, doesn't need to be asserting himself, pushing himself out there, networking furiously with the influential, letting everybody know that he's in charge, chucking his weight around. Now, actually, he can choose how to respond. And his choice will be determined by what the Holy Spirit is saying to him is what the Father's agenda today. Because the first thing to realize about meekness is it originates in our attitude to God. Just like the, the previous two Beatitudes, it starts with how you view God and how you see yourself in relation to him. And the meek person, you see, is not on their own agenda. They're not pushing their own self-interest um, because actually they know their life is not about themselves. What people think of me is not that important. Whether everything I want to happen happens is not that important. Whether I get healthy, wealthy, successful or whatever is actually not that important. What matters is that God's kingdom will come and God's will be done and God's name be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. That's the agenda. And for the meek person who is meek before God, they know that God is perfectly able to bring about his purposes with or without my assistance. In fact, he doesn't need my assistance, but he chooses that I should cooperate and be used by him. But he's in charge. And so again, the, the key thing about the meek person is that they've got to the root of the problem of sin, which is rebellion. That's the root of sin. It's when I say, no, God, I don't want you to make the rules. I don't want you to be God. I want to be in charge. I want to make my own rules, have it my own way for my own purposes. That's rebellion. And that is the root of all sin. Whatever manifestation of sin you pick up, that will come back to there. At the bottom line, it's saying, I want my way, not your way. But the meek person, whom Jesus exemplifies, says, no, Father, not my will, but yours be done. So actually, the first, well, one of the other connotations of meekness, as well as strength, is humility. A proud person cannot be meek. They can't take an insult. They've got to retaliate. They can't be put down in any way because people have got to know who I really am. And they're not going to put me down. That's pride. But the meek person, as I say, has nothing to prove. So they don't need to get proud. And they therefore have the ability to choose to bear patiently with injustice, unfairness, bad behavior from other people. In fact, to react very differently in circumstances that would normally cause us to be angry and to retaliate and to want to seek vengeance. Like when you're being arrested in the garden and carried off with a view to crucifying you. Now that's the sort of situation where you might say, this is not fair, I've done nothing wrong and all the rest of it. 
And in fact, Peter, one of the disciples, did have the, that normal reaction. He lashes out with his sword, cut off the high priest's servant's ear, and Jesus rebuked him. He says, put that sword away. Don't you know, I could call on 12 legions of angels if I chose to, but I'm not going to, because the Father says it has to be this way, and that's what's going to happen. So he just healed the man's ear instead. See, he knew who was in authority. And that's the key thing. Whose authority are we under? Whose agenda are we serving? And you can be meek, not because you're timid or cowardly or weak, but because you have a real strength of purpose, which brings courage and self-control by the power of the Spirit. It may bring sacrifice, but faith can see beyond that to what it's going to achieve. So, they shall inherit the earth. This is what, this is what the... The reward is, in this present age, yeah, there's lots of overbearing, powerful people who appear to be strutting the earth. But the kingdom of God isn't like that. And the people of the kingdom of God living in this present time should not be like that. Because the people of God in this life are already blessed and they're becoming the sort of people who will be able to be entrusted with authority in the new earth let me illustrate what i'm saying imagine a, a profitable family business or one of these big estates you know that belongs to some lord or duke or somebody and you've got the children of that family. Do you know they're blessed? Because they're going to inherit all that. The son of the great business magnate. Yep, he's working in his father's firm because he's going to inherit that. The, the young, the young um, son of the lord of the manor, as it were. He knows this is my inheritance. I'm going to get this. And people can already say, oh, they're blessed. Look, he's going to inherit all that. But, you know, it's not that if he works hard, he might inherit all that. You know, there's a hope. No, actually, he's already the heir. He's not earning his way into his father's favor so that he can inherit the business or the estate. He's already got that. Everybody knows he's going to inherit. But in the meantime, he's very blessed. He can live a very secure, blessed, happy, prosperous life here and now because his dad's the landowner or the business owner. And people will think, oh, he's, uh, he's, he's on to a good thing, isn't he? Because actually that future prospect <coughs> affects him now. Excuse me a moment. <coughs> it affects how he lives now. 
And equally, the fact that there's that future prospect, well, he's actually working now, learning the ropes of how to run that business or how to run that estate, because in the coming days, he will have that responsibility. So actually, when they say, blessed are the meek, because they shall inherit the earth, we're talking about a future prospect which affects now and which enlightens the the situation we're in now and for which we are preparing and learning the business, being in the apprenticeship, as it were. Let me come back to um, Jesus again. If you have your Bibles there, turn to Philippians chapter 2. And there's, a, there's one of the earliest Christian hymns written out here talking about Jesus, who though he was in very nature God, he actually emptied himself, took the form of a servant, humbling himself, becoming obedient unto death. And then it says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is where we see the meek inheriting the earth. And Jesus himself says at the end of Matthew's Gospel, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has that already. He has inherited that. And one day that will be seen all across the earth. But, you know, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, it tells us something else. If we are God's children, and there's just been a whole passage Paul's been talking about us being God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We are going to be sharing in his inheritance. We are going to be partners with him in his kingdom, his business. We're going to be working for him under his authority in this new earth where influence, authority and greatness belong to those who want those things in order to serve and bless everybody else and to glorify the Lord who has brought this all about, not to make a name for themselves, not to become the powerful ones that everybody else is serving, not so that they can be admired or feared or whatever, but actually genuinely what every politician says in his speech, you know, I just want to serve my country Well, actually, in the kingdom, that really is what will motivate the ones who've inherited the power, the authority, the kingdom. Because that's the kind of government that there's going to be in the new earth. And you and I are being trained now and prepared now and transformed by the spirit now to learn how to be those kind of people. Now, as I say, it's not something you can learn by sort of, you know, doing a course and then, oh, that's it, I've ticked off, I've got that one on. No, actually, it requires 
being led by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, not just so that you can make a big splash and have everybody admiring you and thinking you're wonderful. No, so that you can bless others, so that you can build them up, so that you can help them to be ready for their place in this new kingdom, so that you can declare what Jesus has done for you and in you and demonstrate it in your own life so that others want what you've got. That's what it's all about. And the meek are those who do that his way. And as I say, it, it starts with an attitude towards God, but this particular blessedness will manifest itself in the way we respond to others, especially when we find ourselves on the rough end of the deal with others. Because it is Jesus working his nature in us. So, I'm going to quote Michael Green here. Victory goes not to the wise or to the strong, but to those who are so small before God, which is what meek means, that God can afford to exalt them without the danger of their getting proud. When we get to that point, we'll be fit to be ruling and reigning on behalf of the king in his kingdom, in the new earth which is coming. But folks, it begins now. <laughs>